back, guys, the third installment of the F and Eminem podcast. This week, it'll be me, Mitch Farnsworth, as the host. We got a packed show for you guys. We got John Beeline out of his position with the Cavs head coach. We'll be ranking the Cleveland owners with letter grades just because, you know what? We just want to see the whole surrounding of Cleveland sports. Then we'll talk about the NBA being back. It's Thursday as we are recording this Thursday, the 20th. NBA is back tonight. We'll talk about the All-Star weekend. And then our last, what I'm more excited about than any of the other ones, is the new NFL playoff proposal that is going on. So let's get to it. Before we got, we, we got to go to my two favorite co-hosts in all the world. Wow, thanks. First. Oh, okay. Okay. First, well, then you're going second. You're going second now. First, the pride of Jackson High School, Mitch, his last name, what he is, Bala. Boo. How you doing, man? Good afternoon. Great to be back. Um, then on the other side. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, Frank is just being obnoxious <laughs> right now. This is a little absurd. Frank, you need to calm down over there. And then on the other side, the obnoxious side, we got Frank, take it to the bank, Lipple. How you doing? <laughs> We're doing great, Farnsworth. This is, I just have to commend you on this great intro. You made me laugh the whole uh, time. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know what? Let's let's get right into it. You know, John Beeline, we get the news yesterday, is out as Cleveland Cavaliers head coach. What do you guys think? We, You know, it's it was a shock to you guys. You know, where it was expected. What, what's going through your mind here? You could turn it off, Bala. All right. Um, I I was both shocked and not shocked. I guess we'll say it that way. Um, I I was shocked because of how it happened, and I was also shocked because I really could never understand the justification of the Cavaliers hiring a sixty-seven-year-old head coach with a roster full of young, pretty much college. Like basketball players, when you look at Sexton, Garland, Kevin Porter Jr., a few others. I mean, Jenny Osmond isn't that old, but then you have the likes of older presence veterans like Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, now Andre Drummond. Uh, it never made sense from day one for me. So that's why I'm a little shocked when they hired him in the first place. And then the fact that he didn't even finish his first full season as an NBA head coach. Not surprised, though, because you knew when they hired him and they – specifically brought J.B. Bickerstaff onto his coaching staff that he was going to be the successor from Beeline. Yep. A lot of slip-ups with Beeline this year between the thugs and slugs comment. Players didn't like how he coached his coaching style, how he treated it like a college program. So I, I think the players finally got what they wanted. I don't think they wanted him to be there anymore. I think John Beeline realized that. Nevertheless, John Beeline's out. J.B. Bickerstaff's head coach now. Yeah, for me, it was kind of shocking. You just they dropped the news in the fourth quarter of the All Star game, and a very entertaining All Star game. So they dropped it at the perfect time to get lost in the shuffle, and then it went quiet for a few days. And then just yesterday, they, they made it official that he is stepping down and resigning. Um, but only coached fifty four games uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers, fourteen wins, and uh, the writing was on the wall. Uh, now the reports are coming out that. 
he wanted to practice so much before the year is like crying after losing a preseason game where the players are like uh it's just a preseason game suppose he wanted to practice on christmas day um there's a lot of things where maybe in college you can get away with it but when you got pros making millions and millions of dollars um they're gonna want their christmases and they're not gonna want to practice as much because um in basketball it is a marathon it's not a sprint so uh, for me, um, I know we're going to touch on it a little bit more with Dan Gilbert and his hiring and all the Cleveland owners like Farnsworth touched on, but um, just an out-of-the-box hiring immediately, and it just didn't work out for the Cavaliers. So um, hopefully Bickerstaff can get this team going. Hopefully uh, the rookies just play well the rest of this year. I'm not really concerned about uh, wins and losses yet. Um, so Cavs are in the what, second year of the rebuild, so I won't care if they lose if all the rookies play well. Um, so hopefully Bickerstaff can get them on the right track uh, and over you, Farnsworth. Um, you know, great two takes. Uh, I, I really like what you guys said. Um, you know, I've, I've always loved John Beeline. Obviously, the amazing job he did at Michigan. But I, I when the, it was even before it started, he got hired, and he was talking about going to the NBA. I just never thought he would have left. And then... You know, he up and went to the Cavs, and I just don't think that situation was a, at all a fit for John Beeline. I thought he was a great college coach. You know, he worked his way up from Kinesis all the way to, you know, West Virginia and then finally to Michigan, and it built an empire there. You know, he's a 67-year-old guy, um, heart surgery. I think he saw, like, the light at the end of the, you know, the, you know, the ending of his career, and he wanted to at least get a try at the NBA, obviously, is what I thought. Um, but I just think he was he deals so much with the fundamentals and that's the main thing that is looked at in the college level is you know the fundamentals of getting the, and then working on their ability and all of these different things so you know building on top of that is what made Michigan so well the fundamentals and you know having these recruiting guys that bought into a system and that's how well that or uh, how you know, impactful he's been to the university, and now that the uh, program is where they are now, you know, with Juwan Howard obviously is the head there. But um, uh, it was just, I don't think, a good start. From the start, I didn't think it was going to work out. Uh, now we're 54 games in, and now he's gone. He still, as we saw, um, if anybody got the alerts, that he's still in the organization, but his role has not been um, uh, just, un unpealed yeah. to us. So we need to. Uh, well, we'll keep an eye on that, but you know now we have to look to the future, and this leads to my next question: uh, Victor Staff, the Cavs coach now, is he? Do you think two years, maybe less? How, how long are you guys thinking here? We'll go to Mitch Baller. Uh, I am in on JV Bickerstaff being the head coach for over two years for the Cleveland Cavaliers. You knew eventually this was going to be the man to take over after John Beeline. Obviously, I don't think anybody. Could have predicted it'd be this quick, but you knew J.B. Bickerstaff was the successor, and his time has come. I think the Cavaliers organization behind Dan Gilbert, Kobe Alton, and everybody else in that front office really sees something in him, and I think he's very respected by the players. I know he was the scapegoat when John Beeline was still the head coach the players would go to to talk to about issues and this, that, whatever. So I think he'll be here for two years. I mean... The Cavs realistically can't go with the Cleveland Browns approach of firing a new coach every year. And with a young team like this, you have to give time 
to the coach and both the players to understand the system and grow together. Yep. I think it was more of just a John Beeline and this this system didn't fit well together, especially after, like I touched on, he had the incident with a slip of the tongue, apparently. And, you know, looking back at it, there was a reporter at Michigan that said John Beeline all, and his long-tenured career at Michigan often mispronounced words. So with that, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt saying I he may have meant to say slugs, Cavs are playing slow. But this also falls in the players. I mean, for them to start making a joke about it after they were so offended by it, uh, to me, is a little bit wrong. For them to be playing songs in the locker room when Beeline was close to where it would say thug or uh, thugs, thugs in harmony, you know, it's, it's just, it's petty, in my opinion. The players didn't do themselves any favors here. They got what they wanted, and they better show off these last 28 games. But I... And back to your original question, I am in on J.B. Bickerstaff as head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers for more than two seasons. Yeah, I also am as well. I thought it was really interesting that they didn't give him the interim tag right away. They just said, the job is yours. Um, and now this will be what the sixth coach in the last seven years for the Cavs, uh, a model of dysfunction. Um in a way that I mean I don't want to say it's unseen, but yeah, we also we're also fans of the Cleveland Browns, so we get the good old two for one over here in Cleveland. Um, but I would say I'm in on uh, Bickerstaff just because I think Dan Gilbert finally uh, realizes that he he needs to give a guy an actual chance. Technically, technically didn't fire Beeline; he resigned. Um, I'm really interested to see what the point of him even sticking with the organization is. Um, maybe they. I don't even have an idea of what he could possibly do. Um, to, I, I have to, an idea. Yeah, go, go for it. What not to do as head coach. That might work, really. Maybe, I mean, maybe. They, yeah. They signed I mean, him. He only won 14 games, so I, I mean. They signed him to a five-year deal. Could be his, his role. They signed him to a five-year deal. Maybe they couldn't agree on a buyout, uh, potentially. So they just said, well, you resigned, but... You know, we'll pay you the same if you just um, hide in a closet, I guess. Um, but uh, for me, the original question in on Bickerstaff, I, I also wouldn't be shocked if, you know, uh, next year didn't go as planned um, and the team didn't make strides. If Dan Gilbert, a very trigger-happy uh, owner, um, if he doesn't like what he sees, we all saw it with uh, David Griffin got a lot of credit for building that roster and making beautiful trades when he was there. And uh, Dan Gilbert's ego got in his own head and, you know, fired David Griffin because he was getting a, a lot of credit for doing a, a phenomenal job, which he was doing. So um, overall, I will say in, but would not be shocked if it was the latter. Uh, so over to you there, Mitch Farnsworth. Um, I think this is a... a a positive change, I think. Certainly, he's a younger coach. He's forty. You know, he's a lot closer to the age of these players now, to uh, compared to Beeline, who's almost seventy. And you know, I think that will help a lot with uh, you know younger coaches being able to you know connect with these guys around the same age and everything like that. So, um, I really like that aspect of it. I like that he's st still only forty and he's you know growing, but he still has a lot of experience as an you know a uh, an assistant for. I think about what 
15, I, I didn't, I think it was 12 or I think really 12 years he's been an assistant, you know, uh, in terms of like jobs he's had and now he's going to be a full-time coach, head coach. So I'm, I'm going to say in for now, but you know, it, it's, it's Dan Gilbert, you know, his ship here, like Frank kind of touched on. So I, that kind of led into my next question is, you know, how much of an indictment is, um, for Dan Gilbert, like Frank said, six, you know, six, uh, Six coaches in the last seven years. It's it's a difficult one. So I actually want to flip it to Frank now. You know, yeah. kind of finish any points that he had about that because I was so interested in what he was talking about. And then we'll swing back to Mitch Volley. What uh, his response is to Frank? Yeah, the Cavs went to the finals four years in a row um, in in this span of six coaches in seven years, which just um, you know, shout out LeBron James for somehow winning uh, a championship with this organization. Um, that that's pretty much the the big thing for me. Uh, Dan Gilbert, you know, we're gonna touch on it in the next topic of ranking all the um, the Cleveland owners. Sure, are. sure. Um, are. But I mean, the the firing of the David Griffin was really when it went sour for me because he he does have um some positives to him. Um, he 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 definitely spends um and is is not shy about spending. Had one of the highest luxury taxes ever. Um when the Cavs did ultimately win the title in 2016. But, um, you know, it's hard for me uh, to really see how much of an indictment it is because we don't know all all the other candidates. Um, I don't know if you put another coach in this spot, would it have been the same thing? Uh, Like you touched on John Beeline's age. Maybe this does fall on just Beeline, you know, stepping out. Uh, You heard Kevin Love say it it takes a lot to to realize you're not in the right spot uh, because he definitely – I mean, he had a five-year deal. He could have got stubborn and really wanted to make it work, but he, he stepped out at a time where he knew it, it wasn't working for himself and the team, and, and obviously you always want to look after yourself. So if it was draining on uh, draining for John Beeline, definitely get out of it. But uh, I don't actually blame Dan Gilbert for him stepping down. Um, the hire itself was, was questionable at the time. Um, the Cavs were thinking about going to a younger coach like J.B. Bickerstaff, for example, and then randomly one afternoon they just said, oh, hey, by the way, John Beeline's your, your next head coach, which was just out of the blue. Uh, I, I don't even think Michigan saw it coming um, at the time and then definitely didn't. Not at all. Yeah, de- definitely didn't see it on the Cavs' radar either. But um, overall, I, I wouldn't say it's a humongous indictment on Dan Gilbert. Dan Gilbert. Uh, he's done worse things, uh, so that's what I have to say for that. Right, to Mitch Ball. Right, I think Frank hit it right on the nose, and I I agree with everything Frank said. I'll keep it short and simple. I am not even gonna really go anywhere because Frank said that beautifully. Man, he he did say it really well. Frank did a great take there, man. I, it was like Frank pretty much ran that all uh, that topic because I think he. I think that was a conjoin. All three of us were thinking that the same thing. So uh, yeah, it, it's. I don't know how much of an indictment it is for him. Um, but uh, let, let's just jump into the next topic here. We're going to go into uh, um, the Cavs owner letter grades. We'll do that next. You know, since we were talking about Dan Gilbert, um, you know, what is bad about each of them, and then uh, is there any good? <laughs> really, is there any good with the grades? So uh, we'll go to. Let's go to Frank again, since he did such an amazing job in that last topic. So go ahead, Frank. The floor is yours. 
So the, the letter grades for me, the three letter grades, uh, unfortunately, um, Paul Dolan is, is the highest. Um, I really don't want it to be. Uh, I, I probably have to I'm give. I'm sorry, what did you just say? You know what? Yeah, no, did you just say the Dolans. Yeah, I'm, you, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. What? You know what? I'm the gonna just, I'm gonna have to just chalk it up as I misspoke. And Dan Gilbert is the highest for me. Uh, Dan Gilbert, I'll give him uh, just a solid straight C. Um, you, the only owner to to win a championship for the city. Um, can't hire anybody correctly to save his life. Rehired Mike Brown after the the first time. Six coaches in seven years now. Had a very stable front office with David Griffin, um, and now that's gone, and now we're back to, I don't even know what the Cavs' path is. So for me, Dan Gilbert, uh, I would like to go higher because he won the championship, and he is very willing to, to spend money, um, but I'll just go straight C for him. Um, I, 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 I meant to say, unfortunately, Paul Dolan isn't the worst, because um, it, it has to be Jimmy Haslam, but Paul Dolan for me, uh, D minus. Uh, the only good thing that he does instead of uh, J- Jimmy Haslam, he at least hires the right people. Um, but very reluctant to spend money. Uh, the, the Indians have won, but I mean, in the, in the past two years, the Indians haven't won one playoff game. Um, in, in his time as uh, owner, they've only won four series uh, in total. Uh, so not great at all. Um, should have won the World Series probably twice, 2007 and 2016, but unfortunately didn't get the breaks there. And, I mean, just the line's terrible with PR in this whole handling the Lindor situation. Reportedly, both sides are trying to talk now. Lindor set uh, a quote date at March 1st, and then he's going to move on and just focus on the season. Uh, but... The whole enjoy him thing um, and then making fun of it again this past year because he won some Cleveland sports award somehow. Um, but for for me, not not a huge Dolan fan at all. Um, the only good thing he, he's done is really hire uh, Ananetti, sharing off uh, Mark Shapiro, and then brought in Terry Francona, who's been, uh, been a model of consistency for this Indians team. And then Jimmy Haslam just has to get the F. Um, one one in thirty one those past those two years, uh, but even before that, you know, can't hire anybody. Admitted him to himself and to the media that you know when he first was owner, the the coaching hiring process wasn't very thorough. It's just who who would take the job, and that's pretty much who he gave it to. Um, hopefully, we say every year. Hopefully, this is this time it's different with Kevin Stefanski. Obviously, it won't be. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see him and Andrew Barry. Uh, have to give them some time. I know uh, Mitch Paula hates the Browns, um, <laughs> so I'm curious to see what what letter grade he gives Jimmy Haslam. But for me, I mean, uh, I really want Paul Dolan to be the worst owner. I think he is. Jimmy Haslam will at least think outside the box. I I think uh, willing to pay people, um, but he just can't hire anybody. the The product he's put on the field has just been awful. So he has to get an F for me. So Mitch Paul, I'll swing it to you for your three letter grades. All right, we'll start out with the worst, which is Jimmy Haslam for me. He'll get the letter grade of a Z because it's the last possible <laughs> letter in the alphabet, meaning that's the worst possible grade you can get. All right. Wow. Z for zero because you have zero clue what you're doing as the owner of the Browns. You have zero clue on how to run an organization, zero clue on how to stay out of football operations. You are worse than anybody I've ever bashed on this show, including Tom Herman. 
Wow, that's tough. <laughs> Jimmy Haslam is a disgrace. Your he... truck stops are a disgrace. <laughs> Your ownership skills are a disgrace. Your football knowledge, my God, I think, I don't even know, dude. I mean, you, I, I don't even know where to start. I, he's worst. He's the worst thing ever. I'm so frustrated with him thinking he knows football. He doesn't. I don't even know if he knows how to play checkers. Because he's probably bad at that too. Yeah. I mean, checkers. F F is being way too generous for Jimmy Haslam. He gets a Z from me. Because, like I said, it's the last letter in the alphabet. There's only 26. So you're dead last, Jimmy. Second now, moving on to a more positive note. Dan Gilbert is the second best owner in Cleveland. What? And, and here's why. I'll give Dan Gilbert. Did, did he not win Gilbert a championship? A C plus. Here's why. He lost the greatest player in basketball twice. He lost him one time. He lost him twice. Everybody in the league knew he was going to L.A. Whether well, the Cavs Frank, team was good. Frank, let me finish. You had your turn. That's true. You lost the greatest player in the league twice. Once. Strictly because... The second time around, you fired the only general manager that surrounded that player with talent and made him happy. He could have gotten in here a player like the caliber of Kyrie Irving along the lakes of a Jimmy Butler or a Paul George, but no, I like to be in control. Congrats. You know what? Dan Gilbert didn't deliver this city a championship. LeBron James did. Dan Gilbert can spend all the money he wants. Why isn't he spending money now? Oh, wait, because no one wants to come play here because LeBron James is here. He did actually That's spend why. money last year buying that Brandon Knight and that pick, so he did spend money. And where did that get us? Got you another first-round pick. It got you Kevin Porter Jr. and Dylan Windler. Who hasn't even played yet. You can thank John Beeline so, for running him to the round. Off that, Dan Gilbert is a C-plus for the Caps. He got a championship. Congrats. That's why you get a C-grade. C for championship. Because... You lose LeBron James twice. You bash him. Thank God you had enough common sense to apologize so he came back, first off. But you fired David Griffin, who did... uh, Enough can't be said about David Griffin and the job he did as general manager. But because he was doing so much and getting so much credit, Dan Gilbert couldn't deal with that, that he wasn't getting the, the credit he wanted or his face wasn't being shown. He let him walk, which was just... I, I don't know. That could be his biggest mistake right there. And we, we trade Kyrie Irving, and somehow we win that trade looking back on it now because we had Ante Zizic the longest out of anybody in that trade. So thank God for Ante Zizic. Dan, you, you want to trade. Congrats. Got us nowhere. Got us swept in the finals. So off that, I'll go to Paul Dolan. His PR stunt is not the best. I'll admit that. The notion that he doesn't spend money is completely false. He doesn't. He doesn't spend the amount of money that you want him to spend on Francisco Lindor, who is going to price himself out when he hits free agency potentially as one of the top five highest paid players in all of baseball. If you don't believe me, ask yourself this question. Is he better than Manny Machado? If you say no, you're wrong. So he's already over $330 million. Is he just as good as Nolan Arenado? I was waiting for someone to answer that one. I mean, there's more to go in into it than now, just money. Answer the question, answer I mean, the 
got to answer the question I mean, directly. Is he yeah. better? I mean, I would say probably. Uh, I mean, Nolan okay. Arenado, you gets the Colorado field, but the, the whole notion of money no, and no, contracts. No, 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 no. You see, you know, I have a good point. You oh. don't want me to say it. No, you're you're gonna let me finish. Go All right, for right ahead. Let me finish. Let, okay, Mitch Bola first. Let's go. Let's finish the whole thing, Mitch. Go ahead. He's already priced himself out over Nolan Arenado. Now we can sign Lindor for four hundred million. But guess what? When it comes to baseball, like I said the last show, one player does not win you games. Hence, Mike Trout in Anaheim. We signed Francisco Lindor to all that money. The Indians are going to be below average. They oh. won't win 80-plus games with him so down wrong. the road. So wrong. All right, let's Frank, go to Frank then. Frank, okay, well, let's get years, They're not going to be able to afford Mike Clevenger, Shane Beaver, Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez. So I'm not wrong. No. You know damn well that's yes. a fact. No. All right, let's give Frank a chance. Let's give Frank no, a I'm chance. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Oh, are you still? Okay, all right. We'll give you another minute, but we got to go to Frank. we got to give him. 2013, puts money into the Indians, signed Nick Swisher, Michael Bourne. Both bucks did not pan out. 2017, signed Edwin Encarnacion, who Frank apparently thinks was never going to get signed by a team. That just <laughs> He had no market. Himself. He had literally no market. All right, still broke the bank for a DH that helped the Indians. Doesn't turn his ankle. They win the ALDS. True. Trades for Andrew Miller. Trades for Josh Donaldson, former MVP on a big contract. No. Got the Blue Jays to eat some of that contract. Trades for Yasiel Puig last year. He has done what he can. Actually, there, that, there's that... No, there's no, he is trying to put the product out there while not breaking the bank. I mean, so... what he said about Lindor is wrong. And Jordan Moy, you can't. But Paul Dolan's doing a decent job at best, a competent job. He's left the stability in the front office there. Look what they do. with They, they make it work with what they have to work with. Terry Francona's a damn good manager. Top five in all of baseball. I know Frank thinks he's terrible. No, I don't. Yes, you do. You bash him every game. You can be. So, you see, you're just so wrong on so many levels. I'm not. I'm not. And it's okay. All right, all right, Mitch. Mitch, we we gotta let him rebuttal. We gotta let him rebuttal. Let's let's go, Frank. I'm so, so excited right now. I, we've got a whole fight going on. I gotta go to Mitch or Frank. I'm sorry. So I'll just start with the whole notion that uh, Lindor will make more than Arenado and Machado. Uh, if Lindor does go to free agency, he'll be two years older than Machado was at free agency, and that plays such a huge factor uh, with the annual average for a player and how many years a team's willing to give him. So. Uh, for hindsight, he, he could potentially make more money, but the whole notion that he's just going to get more money because he's the better player is just it's just wrong uh, because of age, uh, location, and what his market will be. Uh, Injury history. Machado was always hurt. He still made like what over three hundred million dollars. I mean, three hundred thirty million. So the second point that Paul Dolan uh, willing to spend money, uh, you brought up the Yasiel Puig trade, and he actually, uh, Trevor Bauer had made more money last year. Puig was a rental, so he actually saved money in that deal. So that was just, that's just wrong. Again, that, that did not. What about bring, all the other ones, please? That did not bring in more money. Andrew Miller, they traded your top prospects. Congrats, you lost a trade because you didn't win the World Series. Um, what was the other point Dolan, I had? Dolan doesn't play on the team, but okay. He certainly has a huge influence influence on who's out on the field. Okay, uh, so answer me this. Without Andrew Miller, did they get to the World Series? Yes, because the AL that oh year was god. garbage. Oh my god. It, it was. You played the tech uh, you played uh, Boston, excuse me, first, who was uh, a shell of themselves. You had David Ortiz playing uh, his last year. They got swept. 
Andrew Miller didn't even need a pitch in that series except game one, uh, which I was at, um, and you won that whole series. That Toronto team was probably one of the worst teams in the ALCS. <laughs> I mean, they one one or two good pitchers, and you had uh, Edwin and Josh Donaldson, Kevin Pillar. You had good players, but, I mean, you're going to tell me, like, if the Blue Jays, uh, that Blue Jays team played what the Astros are or what the Yankees are, would they win a game? <laughs> you cer- also forget the certainly fact that not. The Indians had to start Ryan Merritt. You discredit they had Troy Tulowitzki and Jose Bautista, who were solid baseball players, not saying they were great. But please carry on how Andrew Miller did not help whatsoever. Oh, no, he definitely helped. I mean, he won MVP in the ALCS, but I would uh, like to show, uh, give Cody Allen some credit as Cody Allen was actually the better pitcher in that uh, whole playoff run, did not give up one earned run in the entire uh, 2016 playoff run, which somehow gets lost in the shuffle. Andrew Miller uh, got burnt out because uh, Terry Francona used him in Game 5 when we had a six-run lead, gives up the home run to David Ross. Congrats, Terry Francona. That was a real great decision, by the way. Um, so this you whole notion... Like, you just said you don't not like Terry Francona. Now you're bashing him. No, see, that, that, thank you for bringing that up because you can... Uh, uh, you can blindly uh, love him. I know you do, but you can. <laughs> I love Terry Francona. I think he's a really good manager. I agree, he's a top five manager in baseball. But this notion that I can't love him, but still have a critical eye of what he does in his decision he makes, it's just again, it's just wrong. Sorry, I'm more critical of him than you are. Because um, if you blindly last year, you wanted him gone off the record. I, I actually didn't. Uh, he did a really good job last year with all the injuries we had. Probably one of his better managerial spots. Um, but the, the notion that he's some all-time great, I mean, he had the, some of the highest payrolls ever in Boston. So I, I'd hope you'd, you'd win with that talent you, you had. Um, and then the Indians, I mean, what, five straight winning seasons? Um, but but congrats. You've had what, two playoff series wins. Uh, you lost a wild card game to Tampa. Uh, and then you, you blew a 3-1 lead. The following year, you come back, it blew, blow a 2-0 lead, and then you get swept. Um, but for me, uh, I, I mean, it, it sucks that we're even arguing about this because I know we're both diehard Indians fans. And yeah, we, let, let's move. Let's wrap it let up. Me, let me we just see more. halfway through, so we'll go Mitch real quick. Let me uh, let me finish one more point. Down real quick. One more let's point. One more up. point. All right, we're we're like 15 minutes on one like over our 15 minutes for this one thing. We got two topics to go. We got to get going here, Frank. We it's got to be quick though. Go quick. Go quick. Okay, you took 20 seconds to let me go. Go uh, quick. I'm saying that the uh, it sucks that we're fighting about this because I know both of us we love the Indians more than the uh, the Cavs and the Browns. Um, but you know it is what it is. We we disagree on quite a bit for the Indians, but. Uh, I'll just end it with that one. All right, we'll go to Mitch real quick. We got to finish. I I totally forgot your grade, so we they run them down real quick. Dolan gets a B. Dolan all right, C plus, and like I said, Haslam gets a Z. All right, Z. All right, I like it. All right, so I'll kind of go quick here because you know that was a little. We had a good interaction right there for the hey, after you know that podcast. Who cares about a time limit? Let's. Yeah, let's Mitch. I don't know why you're in a in in such a hurry here. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Every week. All right, you know, we're, you know, we can still talk about this for an hour if you want to. You guys aren't busy. You guys want to go at it for another half hour. I'll go get a snack and I'll come back. What, what do you want to do here? Do you guys want to fight it out here a little longer? I'm okay with I'm, it. I'm waiting for your letter grades, man. Yeah, we're waiting for your letter oh, grades. Well, then let's go. I'm trying to, and you're always topping me now. Let's go. All right, I'm gonna go quick. Um, 
Gilbert, I'm going to give a C plus because of the title and just the amount of money that he's put out for that title. Even though he, it was mainly LeBron, you know, LeBron's tie a championship. So we'll go there. Um, I'm going to go Dolan. Mitch Bola kind of gave up good points or he gave me good points. You know, he we don't he uh, he doesn't spend the amount we want him to. And I, I'm really you know I was like that's a good point. You know. We're really stingy people that want these giant millionaires to spend as much as they, you know, possible because they have this money. But in a market that we are in, it's not just not possible. And you know, it the, is. Uh, the different. Okay, thanks, Frank. We already had enough of you. All right, all right. Um, so I'm gonna go C minus with Dolan, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the uh, uh, the F with Frank here with Haslam. It's it's just I'm not even a Browns fan, and it's just. It's it's sad just seeing that whole organization from top to bottom, you know, over and over, coaches, GMs, over. It's a rollover effect. just keeps on happening and happening. So you, there's no other grade I think we could give them, except if Mitch Ball with the Z of the worst of the last letter of all the alphabet. So uh, I'm going to go have to go F with that. Um what do you guys want to fight a little longer? I don't care. I we just, can go to the NBA we All Star yeah. Weekend, or if you guys want to, you know, punch each other out. I just know, have like one, more point. Just gonna, one more point. Just one more point, real quick. Uh, Paul All Dolan, right, exact exact quote from Paul Dolan: "We'll probably hand out three hundred million dollar contracts when other teams will hand out one billion dollar contracts." You can go to the NBA now. Oh wait, what what, what was the point of that? He's cheap. I mean, congrats, well, Paul. I mean, you're gonna. Right, you're, <laughs> He's a rich owner, but you can't compare him to the likes of a Dodger or a Yankee owner. I mean, obviously the market size is different. I literally just said the market size is obviously different, but it's okay, the whole well, it's the whole notion. He's, he's not wrong. I mean, he you really don't think a billionaire owner could could spend money inside Lindor right now? He could, Frank. But what I'm telling you is, if he does that, he's not going to be able to sign. Oh, that I, was I, the I, point. I, I forgot. This notion is coming from where you think the Indians will still compete in Thank five you. plus years. <laughs> Thank you. Now, let me finish. I know. I want to come back. Where the notion comes from, you think the Indians will be able to compete if they sign Lindor to a max contract of what his market value would be. I'm not saying he takes a pay cut. I am saying his market value would be. Where do you think the Indians can still get money to sign, re-sign Bieber, re-sign Clevenger, and be able to build a team around it? No, they're, they're not like the New York Yankees. Well, well, obviously, I mean, the the whole point is if you, you Clevenger and Bieber are have they haven't even really hit true arbor arbor uh, yet, whatever the word is. Um, yes, thank you. Um, so they they could get an immense value from them if they were to trade them. And plus, the Indians farm system is still loaded with pitchers. Um, so this whole notion that they would not be competitive at all. This is not like a Miguel uh, Cabrera type situation with uh, Detroit, uh, where they just handed out that humongous contract and pretty much checked themselves out of of truly signing anybody else because they didn't have uh, uh, any other pieces like the Indians do at now at this time. Uh, I mean the the prospects the the, the prospects uh, Clevenger and Bieber uh, would bring back. He would be right if they were to sign Lindor, you would not see Clevenger or Bieber. Uh, most likely, I mean, they're not going to take a pay cut, nor should they, uh, in, in his uniform much longer. 
but yeah, I mean, you still have a, a really good group of team because Jose, uh, whatever his agent was thinking with that deal that they put out there for him, um, it helped the Indians a lot uh, and let them maintain flexibility. But this whole notion that if they sign Lindor, they're going to stink for his entire contract uh, is just not wrong. And that's not on anybody else, but that would fall on the front office itself because um, you can always just point to the excuse of, oh, well, we have this contract and we're stuck with them. Well, you, it's called work around it. You know, he's a top five, top ten player in all of baseball, um, and I just want him as an Indian. So that's all I have to I say. Mean, I think everyone wants him as an Indian, but I mean, they might have a great farm system. But the whole Miguel Cabrera is different. He was already in his. Mid, that was just an awful contract. 30s. That that was just a horrendous move by the Detroit Tigers. I mean, Lindor, like we said, he's still in his twenties. He'd be. He will still be in his 20s when the contract comes. Uh, so I believe, I want to say Cabrera was 34 for the Tigers. I believe he's 38 now. So that was bad on their part. But you look at the Tigers now, and they have these pitchers coming up. And even if they are top prospects, they're not going to more than likely, not five of them, I'll say, because you do get prospects to come up making an impact right away. But you just can't bank on the farm system coming up. Oh, you're right. Providing right away. Maybe they do three, four years, but at the same time, that's when the front office could get antsy and realize they made a mistake if they were to sign Lindor to, we'll say, three hundred fifty plus million, and then they'll trade him away, and you're back to square one. I'm not advocating for them to trade him whatsoever. I want him here forever, but it just the mar- our market is what's going to screw everything up. Yeah, I agree. So I are think, we good now? Yeah, are yeah, we good? Yep. If you have Everybody anything, to, if you have anything to say, Farnsworth, you can touch on, or we can move uh, on. You guys, you guys took over, so I'm just, I'm just letting you guys. If there's anything else, any other points, are we good? Mitch Ball, are we good? I hate the Browns. All right, good. Frank, any last ones? Because you've had three, one more. You know, no, I'm good. Three more. Okay, good. I'm, I'm solid, right. man. I'm solid. All right, all right. Let's move on then. Uh, you know. You know, if you want to hear other fighting, you know that was a lot of fighting right there. And if you uh, if you guys like fighting takes, you can talk to Nick and uh, Frank, Frank on their podcast. So is that every you do that, Frank? Every Tuesday, man. Every Tuesday. So if you guys are interested, you know, in another podcast, uh, Nick and Frank over there, they do their fighting takes every Tuesday. So if you want to listen to that? It's a very interesting podcast. You know, I watched a few minutes of it or listened to a few minutes of it, and you know, you get hooked onto it. And I was in my car driving down the road and I'm like man these guys are actually pretty good so if you guys are interested in fighting takes UFC listen to those guys Nixon Frank fighting takes every Tuesday coming out so moving on to the NBA all-star weekend we had the dunk contest where Aaron Gordon you know in many people's opinion was robbed uh, after a trying to dunk over taco fall and all that interesting information going on with that so we'll uh, we'll talk about that too so um We'll do that first. Let's let's do that first before we get into our title favorites in the second half of the season. So dunk contest. We'll go to Mitch because we started with Frank last time. We're going to Mitch. How you felt about the dunk contest? You know, it was Aaron got uh, Aaron Gordon robbed. Go. Um, is the sky blue? All right. Good answer. Uh, I mean, he he was most definitely robbed. Uh, I. I don't even think it was the taco fall dunk that did it for me. The dunk where he got the pass off the side of the backboard, I thought solidified it. I mean, Aaron Gordon 
not just once but twice now, has been robbed of a slam dunk trophy. And I just want to know what goes through those judges' minds. And you heard afterwards, oh, well, it was supposed to be a tie. Well, which one of you idiots can't count? I mean, because that's just what I want to know. You had three nines and two tens. You had three tens and two nines. It's not that hard. That's true. Now, what do I know? What do I know? All right, Frank, robbed, not robbed. Um, most definitely robbed. I was uh, no discredit really to Derek Jones Jr. He just did the same Correct. dunk like That's four true. times over true. the in between the legs and slam it with your left hand. He did that about three or four times. And then his final dunk, um, the run up, it, I know it's so hard to do an actual free throw line dunk, but he was a step in and just kind of windmilled it. I know uh, Aaron Gordon didn't 100% clear taco fall and his head was stuck down, but I mean, the dude is 7 6. Um, sorry, his butt just glanced the top of his head. Um, but, yeah, I just feel for Aaron Gordon. Uh, I, I wouldn't do it either if I was him again. Uh, the first dunk contest back in 2016, he had some – him and Zach Levine put on the dunk contest uh, of our lifetime. So I, I, I wasn't really mad. I, I think he did get hosed in that one too. But Zach Levine also put on an incredible show and had a very uh, variety of different dunks where this one, Derek Jones Jr., I mean, showed his athletic prowess, but just did the in-between-the-legs, left-hand uh, dunk um, four times over just in a different variation. And I thought Aaron Gordon was um, had more variety to his dunks. And he was 100% correct. He had you're, – you're there to do four dunks. He got four 50s. So, I mean, what's there to be? Derek Jones Jr., his first dunk – it was either his first or second dunk, didn't get a 50. I know he had three 50s, but um, just by simple math there – uh, Aaron Gordon should have won. He, he's 100% hit it on the nose. You're there to do four dunks. You got four fifties. It should be over. So that, that's that's my take on it. Absolutely, I, I totally agree. He was robbed in every way, and uh, Frank pretty much you know has every point that I was going to say. So I'll keep it short as well. So uh, you know, I, I feel bad because Aaron Gordon now says he's not going to do this anymore. Yeah, you because know, he should have two, and he's rightfully so should have two titles. So. It's gonna suck that he's not a part of this. You know, we've had all these players that wanted, uh, you know, limited amount of players that want uh, want to do the dunk contest, and it kind of sucks. We've always wanted LeBron or someone else, you know, all these big highlight dunkers to do it, and they don't want to. And you know, we had Aaron Gordon the last few years who's been lighting it up, and you know, was intri- made it interesting, you know, against Zach Levine, and you know, this year it was interesting, but now seeing him gone, that kind of takes it away. So. It's kind of hard to, you know, deal with that. So um, let's go to the game on Sunday night. I thought it was interesting. I really liked the new format that they did, you know, going, uh, obviously, Team LeBron wins uh, on a last-minute free throw, or the last shot was a free throw, which I kind of was, you know, that was kind of off-putting to me. But uh, how would you guys feel about the uh, whole system of the uh, new All-Stars? So we'll go to Frank, back to Frank. Uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, phenomenal. Uh Honestly, I didn't watch the first. I was in between watching it, um, and then once the fourth quarter came, I definitely got my my butt on the couch and watched the in, the entire fourth quarter. Um, the whole for every quarter is zero zero, which um, I, I get. Uh, the winner of the quarter gets money for charity, and then it's tallied up at the end, which yeah, uh, is a good idea. I I, I did like that. I uh, love that a lot too. Because I really it, did. when the, when it initially dropped, I was confused that at the what they meant when every quarter was zero zero. But then you find out it's for uh, charity that you you can't hate on that at all. And then uh, like all the players themselves said that uh, it made them play a lot harder. Especially uh, it was close. I love how they trade uh, changed the 
uh, MVP name to, to Kobe Bryant. Uh, love that sure. too. Um, Kawhi Leonard was the first winner of that trophy. Uh, but uh, at a whole, I, I, I know it came down to a free throw, uh, which was pretty anticlimactic. I would like to say James Harden had the game won. Kyle Lowry flopped. The refs fell for it. Um, but then I was really hoping it would be a three. I know LeBron chucked one up from almost half court. Um, and both teams were down to the wire. And, and it was a neat idea. Uh, I know the, the big three, uh, Ice Cubes League, is like the first of 50. And the NBA sort of incorporated that. Uh, for the All-Star game, which was first to 157, and, and both teams were right there at the end. So uh, for if it's, if every year's like that, um, you could sign me up for watching that. So that's what I have to say about the All-Star game itself. All right, Mitch Ballin. It was great. It, it was a lot of fun compared to years, years past where it's pretty much an in-game dunk contest or three-point shooting contest uh, for the entirety of the game. Uh, Frank's right. It, the fourth quarter had me sitting down watching that game attentively. I mean, for the most part, I thought some of the players were playing harder in that game than they do in some of the regular season. Right. I mean, it was it was really refreshing to see. You could tell the players loved it. Uh, you, I mean, even today I saw LeBron and Anthony Davis back at Lakers uh, headquarters, you know, getting ready. Like we said, NBA resumes tonight for the remainder 28 games of the season. And they were talking about how they loved the format. And the NBA already came out and said it's going to stay that way next year. And mm-hmm. I, I just thought throughout the whole spectrum of everyone that watched basketball and watched All-Star Weekend, they got the praise it deserved. The NBA got it right. And I was really happy to see that. It was a competitive game. Yeah, sure, the free throw the free throw was anticlimactic. Um, but Anthony Davis did make it interesting on purpose. Like he said, missed the first one to make yep. it all come down to that second one. It was really good to see the best players in the world actually playing hard against each other for the most part in a game where you wanted to win. It was for a good cause. Uh, a lot of emotions running high just because of what's going on this year in the NBA world. And it was a great sight to see. A-plus for me. Um, and I'll watch next year. Hopefully it'll be the same energy. Totally. I totally agree with both of you guys. Um, it, it was a, a great atmosphere you know the last quarter, fourth quarter was it was high intent in high quality high like huge intensity in the building you know everybody was you know running you could see it in the guys on the benches running around the like the floor you know obviously it's it's you know wow but it's the all-star game so who cares so it was, it's great to see you know these guys personality you know running around the court and you know seeing these shots that are you know the half court shot by uh trey young in the um uh, the rookie showcase was pretty fun too, so I just had to shout that out too. That was that was yeah, pretty that was, fun, also. That um, was hilarious. That was that was really fun. Uh, yeah, so it was a great weekend. Like Mitch Ballas said, it was a plus. Um, you know, I'm hopefully watch next year with that same format. So, like also Mitch said, the second half of the season now. So I want to get you guys as a favorite to come the uh, the title favorite now. So, so Mitch, we'll, you uh, start with this one. You start. You go. Oh, I get to go. Oh man, I like Milwaukee. I know the record is forty-six and eight. Giannis is playing great. You know that team. I just don't know if I. I'm really not sure about this one for the uh, the with Milwaukee. I, I like the Lakers. I like LeBron. I like the playoff experience on that side. So right now, I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna give the Lakers the uh, the advantage out of the two. So. Um, 
I'll go to Frank then. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm not sold on Milwaukee. I'm not sold that your best player who can't hit an open three can win you a title. We saw it uh, last year when Milwaukee went up 2-0 on the Raptors, and then they changed up their defense a little bit, and they won four straight. So I, I do agree. I think Milwaukee is definitely a threat. Chris Middleton does not get the credit he deserves. He's a top-tier player in the league. Um, so the Milwaukee has all the pieces. They have the coach. They don't even have double-digit losses yet. But for the main point, I mean, obviously if Giannis can hit the outside threes, it changes a whole dynamic. But if if he can and he struggles, well, then I, I don't think I, I see them winning the title. Um, I think I have to go uh, Clippers here. I, I really want to see LeBron win his fourth ring. That's, that's who I'm rooting for um, personally. Uh, but I just think the Clippers overall, they, they do. I know they do the load management, whether it's right or wrong. But, uh, you know, they're not going to tax themselves out. Whatever seed they get, they get. Right now they're three. Uh, they're only a half game up on Utah, which is the four seed. But they're also only a game back of the two seed Denver. Um, so this last um, 28 games, I believe, all the teams have is going to be uh, really interesting to see how the Western Conference shakes out because – um, a lot, a lot could change here if, if a team loses three in a row, a team gets hot. Um, so for me, I think I like the Clippers. I like the dynamic of uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. If they obviously both can stay healthy, uh, they picked up Marcus Morris. They have really good bench pieces. Um, but I, I do think I see the Clippers having. Uh, they should be the favorite right now. I think they are the best team in the league. But I should say I am rooting uh, for LeBron to get his fourth ring. So over to you, Mitch Ball. All right, I like uh, Cavs and Warriors. Yes. Wow. Oh, wait, All wait. right. Oh, wow. Sorry, I forgot. Um, those those guys suck now. Uh, I, mean, I like Cavs and Warriors for the one and two pick in the draft. There you go. And uh, as far as my picks to come out of each side, I think Milwaukee's really interesting. Milwaukee reminds me a lot of the Cavaliers when LeBron was in Cleveland his first tenure. And I'm not sure. I I think that Frank brings up a great point. You know, Giannis doesn't hit that outside shot. But I also don't know with Kawhi out of the East out if anyone's going to actually be able to physically beat up on Giannis for seven games or stop him. Pascal Siakam. Well, they'd have to. That would be the Eastern Conference Finals as of right now. And yep. I think my sleeper team right now in the East, I'm not saying they're going to come out, but I think the team that could beat Toronto is Miami. I'm not sold on Boston whatsoever. Neither am I. Philly is, Philly is just up and down. I can't really get a read on them. Anyone that had hopes of Brooklyn having any shot, those were shot down today with Kyrie Irving likely out for the rest of the season. Um, I really like how Miami's been playing. They have a great group of young guys around Jimmy Butler, and he has played very well this year. He's gotten some talk, but, I mean, not enough, in my opinion. I mean, so I think Miami's an interesting team. However, I will go with the best team in the NBA record-wise right now. I'll say Milwaukee will come out of the East. Uh, Frank, you're right about Chris Middleton. He does not get the praise he deserves. Yep. Nor does Eric Bledsoe or yep. the rest of the supporting cast that Milwaukee has. But like, I mean, Kyle Korver, even though he'll get to the finals and he'll probably – Miss a wide open three. Know, he'll get to the finals and Cor- Korver will go off. Because when he was in Cleveland, he couldn't do anything in the finals. Yeah. And for the West, a lot of people want to say it's a two-team race between the Lakers and the Clippers. And it might be, but I also don't want to just discredit 
Utah, Denver, and I'll even say Houston. I think all three of those teams are right behind those guys. Now, in a best of seven, do I think those teams have enough to go up and beat a LeBron James, Anthony Davis duo, or a Kawhi Leonard, Paul George duo? I'm not sure, but I think those teams are right there. Personally, I'm going to go with who I want to see, and that's the Lakers. I want to see LeBron get his fourth ring, and I have not been totally sold on the Los Angeles Clippers. I understand they're doing the whole load management, but there's been times this season where they don't look like the second-best team in the West. Yep. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a bit concerning. However, I can also understand them being bored because you can look around who they have on their team, and sure, they might be the best team all around in the West, no doubt about that, but it, it would just be very fitting for a team to think they can just turn it off and on all season long and rest their players to play when they want, and they get in the playoffs and run into trouble, and all of a sudden they can't flip it on. I think that really go back to bite them in the butt, especially for players like Kawhi last year saying, I don't need load management, and Paul George ripping players on load management in years past. Two of the biggest now hypocrites of it out here just sitting whenever they feel like it so they're ready for the playoffs and I hope that karma comes back to get them I really do and so that's why I'm going to go with Lakers I want to see LeBron get that fourth one I also think uh, LeBron versus Giannis would be extremely entertaining in the finals and I'll leave it at that I'm going to throw it back over to Frank if he has any last comments yeah just you wanted to bring up Denver and uh, uh, you brought up Denver and I just wanted to touch on you know they're, they're a really good regular season team but the way their team is constructed uh, to get to the playoffs, uh, you know, it's so hard to win with a big man as your number one go-to guy with uh, Nikolai Jokic. They they just don't have enough playmakers for me. Uh, Gary Harris is there. They they have a really good solid grouping of players, but you saw it last year in crunch time against Portland. You know who was obviously Portland had you know Damian Lillard uh, and T.J. McCollum who took turns going off in that series. Shut out the three three zero and C.J. McCollum in Game Seven. Uh, um, played really well in that game and and, and brought it to them. Um, but you know, I, it, right now the matchup would be Denver Dallas, and I honestly might pick Dallas to win that series. I could, just because it's so hard with with the big man being your number one guy. Um, I just don't see them having enough playmakers in general to get over that hump. So that's why they're like they're below like the Houston and Utah for me. Uh, right now, Utah Houston will play each other, and Utah is always awful against Houston when it really matters. I know they just beat them off the buzzer beater uh, this uh, two weeks ago or last week, but uh, Houston always has given Utah problems. And I think uh, maybe a little bias. I, I, I think you, you, Houston would be the one team that uh, the Lakers and Clippers might not want to run into. Uh, they play a very obviously unorthodox way of playing. Uh, was super small. They just got Damari Carroll off, off um, the buyout market. Uh, so that just gives him another 3 and D wing who can hit open shots and, and, and play really good defense. Um, and we saw it with the first game. Um, when the trade happened, they traded Clapella. Uh, Houston took it to L.A. in L.A. Because um, that would be a handful. I mean, obviously, two best players to Lakers would be Anthony Davis and uh, LeBron James and you'd probably want those two players guarding Harden and uh, Westbrook and those are two mess two mismatches obviously LeBron isn't as quick as he once was he's still the best player in all of basketball but the quickness isn't just there with the Russell Westbrooks of the world 
Um, and James Harden can just get his shot anytime he wants. I, he's very bipolar uh, when it comes uh, to the playoffs. He can just show up or, and not show up. Um, but, you know, that that's just my final take. So, Mitch Ball, if you have an answer for that. I do, and I think you're right. I, we, you and I have talked about it before when it comes to Denver. You really, at least in today's era of basketball, maybe back in the day when you had great post players like they did, you know, you talk about really anybody, Abdul Jabbar, you know, Charles Barkley, even though he never won a ring, Olajuwon, uh, Dr. J. I mean, they, these were fantastic post presence, but in today's game of basketball, and you look at Denver, they don't have a go-to score. And even if it is Jokic, that, that ultimately does not get it done, as we've seen in years past. Um, Denver is probably one of the few teams that actually plays like a team, which I do like. You, they don't they don't have that yep, they know who they are. score, which is, which is nice to see, but at the same time, that usually comes back to bite you in the butt. Um, and I, I just want to point out, um, Cavs are only 32 games back. Oh my God! That, Think about place. it. Think about so, it. So I mean, they're only actually uh, ten and a half back of Orlando. Twenty-eight games left. Think about it. Okay. Well, all right. We we got to move on now. But uh, just one last little thing. I uh, just came by the old uh, phone here. Yep. Kyrie Irving's season is now over. He is having shoulder injury. And, um, so Brooklyn, as they sit right now, are the seventh place in uh, would. Uh, potentially play the Raptors right now as it stands. Um, anybody want to talk about that? The uh, the Kyrie injury, you know, next year now uh, sure. how it works out will be Kyrie and Durant will be both, you know, coming off injuries. So uh, let's. Do you want to talk about this? We certainly can. Let's. Uh, you know, Mitch Ball is in it, so let's go to him. Um, first off, I would like to thank Kyrie Irving for getting him when he was very durable. Um, I appreciate you. True. Um, holding off injuries as much as you could, but it's also sad to see uh, he he is injury prone. Uh, I mean, go back to Duke. I mean, now I'm not saying, oh, wow, a toe or foot injury that kept him out and only let him play. I think it was a toe injury, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Yeah. He only played 11 games. And some people were skeptical of the Cavs taking him. Number one, it was between him and Derek Williams out of Arizona. And mm-hmm. people were like, oh, Williams played the whole season, draft him. Took Kyrie, took a chance there, right? He got banged up his first few years, you know, the rookie years when LeBron wasn't back yet. Yeah, yeah but for sure. NBA is a physical sport. We've seen it all the time. I mean, hell, LeBron got hurt last year. Uh, what was it, a groin injury? Uh, yeah, was it a groin injury? It was lower body, calf. I believe so, yeah. Hamstring, whatever. It, it okay, we'll go with that, yep. Fluky, because you never really see LeBron get hurt. Um, however, yeah. it's it, it's tough to see Kyrie because I, I do believe when he's healthy, Kyrie is the best ball handler in, in, the, in the NBA. He does have the clutch gene. And True. I do, Game I do 7, 2016, yes. Yeah. I do believe he's one of the premier players in the NBA. And mm-hmm. it, it's tough to see one of the better players go down whether you love him or hate him or have animosity because of how he left Cleveland. Uh, but it, it, you don't want to see a player get hurt. Absolutely. And lose a season to injury. And I'm not talking about just this season. You have Durant coming off the Achilles injury, which that's always a big one. Basketball players, mm-hmm. between that and ACLs, is tough to come back from. So you don't really understand. We're assuming Durant's going to be the Kevin Durant we've always seen. 
But Kyrie Irving right now, you have to start to wonder if this guy will ever be 100% healthy for a full season again. And if this is a guy that needs to do load management, more so than Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who really, I know Paul George had his shoulder injury, this, that, whatever, and yes, but I mean, Kyrie Irving, you had a feel for him. I mm-hmm. don't wish injuries on anybody. Uh, I like watching him play still. And you're right, Brooklyn right now in that seventh spot, they would play Toronto. The Raptors. Yep, the Raptors right now. Um, I think with him there, that'd be a good series. I'm not saying they'd beat Toronto, but obviously now, if it holds, uh, I think Toronto would handle Brooklyn Sweep. quite easily. Sweep, probably. That's if, that's if Brooklyn stays there. If Brooklyn drops out, then you're looking at Orlando moving up, and then Washington or or Chicago, really. But there's still three games back at eight seed. So mm-hmm. it'll be an interesting end of the season with 28 games to play. For sure. All right, Frank, you're up. Um, yeah, you know, I, I know Mitch Ball and I also have a difference of opinions when it comes to Kyrie Irving. Um, I obviously, all right, if, folks, no, sell in. We might be in for another fifteen minutes. No, I, I just think uh, we just have a differing of. I, I, I didn't really care that he left too much because um, he was on his way out. You could, you could feel it. And there was already talk right after the Cavs won that LeBron was already inkling towards leaving again because of the, the, the dysfunction there, and you can't really blame him. Um, but you know, Kyrie Irving hit the biggest shot in NBA history. Uh, Bigger than Ray Allen's, uh, the best shot ever. Uh, brought me uh, his shot, and, and the whole Cavaliers brought me one of the best days ever. Um, so it sucks seeing him go down, like you guys touched on, with all the different injuries. Um, but there was one thing I know you said, Mitch Paul, that we got his we got his good side, but he was still, I mean, missed the 2015 uh, Finals. So I mean, with, with Kyrie there, we probably beat the that Warriors team because they weren't what they were. Later on, obviously, you had, you, had, you had Kevin Durant and whatnot, but um, but for me, it just sucks. And, and Brooklyn's in a really, really odd spot now. Uh, if I was um, owner of that team, talk to that team. I, I mean, I, at this point, I mean, the, 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 for me in the NBA, the worst spot to be is the seventh and eighth seed uh, because you're going to get swept. You're, you're no way you're going to beat the one or two seed unless they all get hurt, which never really happens. And then you don't get a high lottery pick, so. Uh, for me, if I'm looking, I'm going full on tank uh, with the new lottery odds. A lot lottery odds. Um, you know, we saw it last year. Teams jump up. The Lakers jumped up uh, when when they were uh, nine or ten. Even I, I forget what spot they were seeing in the lottery. But um, for me, I, I would just I'd miss the playoffs on purpose. I'd try to get a, a better piece for potentially if you want to trade that uh, pick uh, or actually just draft a player in it and have Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Um, have another weapon so that that that's what i would do um but it just sucks Kyrie can't stay healthy we saw it at duke uh saw it with the Cavs, and 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 even uh now uh he just cannot stay healthy uh, so that's just what i have to say yeah i, I totally agree with both of you guys here that it sucks to see anybody go down with an injury you know especially high caliber players you know like the Kyries and durants you know it, it takes away from the game for sure um it's going to be um Next year, it's going to be enjoyable to see those two, though. You know, I'm getting excited for next year with, you know, both of them coming off injuries. We're going to see how that, you know, it's going to, the relationship's going to work, how they're going to come off those injuries. Um, you know, are they going to be the same players? So it's going to be interesting to watch next year. We're already talking about next year, and we haven't even finished. You know, we still got, you know, the second half of this season to go. So it's all things to look out for, you know, coming up in the, uh, the next year or so. 
Uh, let's let's move on to our last topic. Of course, we're going to play some more in and out like we did earlier with the uh, Bricker staff and the Cavs coach for more than two years. So the first one we were going to talk about is the NFL playoff proposal. You guys in and out on it. Um, if anybody didn't know, uh, there's the new CBA that just came out uh, between the Players Association and the NFL that um, there could be two more teams now in the NFL playoffs. Um, no longer, um, you know, that's the will be. Is it seven then? Seven. I'm yeah. Right. So no, seven uh, teams yeah. first uh, conference will be there. It'll be a 17-game regular season, uh, and it'll be a three-game preseason rather than a four. Um, the revenue, obviously, is going up. Players are getting a share of that more. Um, you know, it, it gets people more uh, – it makes the teams more inept to go after that first seed because now that's the only one that's going to have a buy rather than, you know, it just happened this year. The Kansas City Chiefs were a two seed. They get a buy. Um so now, if it was last, or if we are going under this stipulation or this new CBA, Kansas City would have had to play an extra game uh, this season, as they were the two seed. So uh, it's an interesting proposal system. So I wanted to get you guys' take: Are you in it, in or out on it? Um, I'll just take the baton first. Yeah, I, what? The yep. the actual playoff proposal itself. Um, I, I guess I would say I'm in. Uh, I sh- Ball and I were hanging out yesterday announcing it and when it popped up and we both were intrigued how um, just the number one seed would get the buy and that makes it normally you see week 16 uh, week 15 if you really have the the one or two seed locked up you know you save people for uh, rest um, your quarterback wouldn't play just like the Ravens did this past year uh, Lamar Jackson didn't play the last week uh, I don't I believe Mark Ingram didn't either so that that definitely would get wiped out especially now if the uh, one and two seeds are, are, are jostling for position because obviously you put a huge emphasis on the bye week now. Um, so I, I would say I, I, I'm in on the playoff proposal itself, but the idea of going to uh, 17 weeks would be really odd, especially with how the money would work. Uh, the CBA said they, they would get an extra game check, but it'd be capped out at $250,000. Uh, so the highest paid players would, would get paid less and the players union won't do that and Michael Thomas is already tweeting out laughing at it so that that itself would would be on paying the people uh, less than what their value is obviously if you're the players you want to get paid as much as possible um, always team player side um, I just wanted to throw that one in there but for the the playoff proposal itself I would say I'm in I'm right there with Frank uh, he's absolutely right last night we were broadcasting uh, doing play-by-play in color for the Notre Dame College men and women basketball games. And that proposal, or an alert, popped up on our phone, I believe, uh, during the women's game, which was the first one. We looked at each other, and then during a media timeout, we were just like, wow, that's kind of cool. It's something new. It's not um, a big enough change like what's what the MLB wants to do. Yeah. So I'll start with this. The playoff proposal itself, I do like. And the whole giving a whole new meaning now to – just getting that first round by, I think, is very intriguing. And you're going to see a lot more teams playing hard there to get that first round by because of how valuable it will be. And I think it's a great dynamic to add to the NFL. Um, as well as you give one more team now a chance to make the playoffs. The only issue I have with it now is uh, there are years where you have a down year in certain conferences. And you, you look at 
a down year as a whole, you're going to have a seven and nine team perhaps get into the playoffs, which could both be a good thing and a bad thing. But I already know there's going to be people looking at that saying, well, seven team below 500 shouldn't get in. Well, maybe your team should have beat them. But, but I mean, I can understand where people are not in agreement with it. But as for me, I am in for the proposed playoff change of seven teams from each side. Number one seed gets a buy and you go from there. As for the 17th uh, game, money talks. And if the money's not, not right for the players, there's no way the players' union is going to agree to it. Like Frank touched on, Mike Thomas already tweeted it out. I know Richard Sherman is a very vocal football player for the players. Uh, but then you saw Jamal Adams, who thought he was going to get more money because of one more game. And so you have, I think you just have players that know what it's going to take and the difference, and then players that don't understand everything. Um, you can really figure out who the players are that know what's going on and who and the players that don't. As a fan, I'd much rather would have 17 games instead of four preseason games. The proposal is 17 regular season games. You lose one preseason game. I'd love that. But I also don't think that one will get changed. I think if anything gets changed, it will be the uh, 14 team, fourteen NFL teams in the playoffs, seven on each side, respectively, with that one seed getting a first-round bye. Therefore, I'm in on that, out on the regular season. All right. I, I like that a lot. I really like it. The uh, I'm a, also with you guys. I'm totally with this system. I really like the preseason, cutting it down to three games, you know, making a 17 game, you know, make, making a one more game count. Um, you know, I really like the uh, uh, statement that he talked about, a 7-9 and nine team getting in. You know, it, it could be good or bad, obviously. Um, so that'll be intriguing to watch now because now everybody's going to be fighting for that extra spot or um, – it's just going to be interesting. I overall, I, I'm really excited to see if it, obviously it still has to go through. Um, so we'll still be looking at that. So we're going back to last week. We talked a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about the Astros, the cheating scandal that's going on. So I needed to get you guys. It's been a week. It just keeps on unraveling. More and more comes out. New players are saying that the Aaron Judge will come out and. To say he's deleting tweets to congratulate you know MVPs and you know it's just it's the main thing that's going on right now in the sports it's it's not even baseball season that's the main thing um, and you know the main thing has been the commissioner and how inept he's not uh, been in this whole situation kind of like you know he's trashing the commissioner's trophy and now he apologizes for saying that but is this really what a commissioner that we want to deal with in the MLB? You know, that is, he's one week he's saying something else, the other week he's not. Now he's, you know, he's apologizing every week for how the way he's handling it. He can't find these certain things. But the question I say, in, and, in or out on this, should Rob Manfred get fired by the owners? Is, oh. Could that be an opportunity? Oh. Let's go to oh. Mitch Waller oh. because he's, he's hoffing at it and I need to go to him. Uh, I'm in. I'm so in. Rob Manfred right now, he's he's already backtracking. We'll just put it right there first. Rob Manfred knows he messed up. I'll, I will stay correct here for our listeners' purposes. Knows he messed up. Strictly, one, when he referred to the commissioner's trophy as a piece of metal. Rob Manfred, what on earth? And first off, it has your damn name on it. He is the commissioner. Kind of ridiculous. Like, you hand that trophy out. So not only do, do these players play for that, most of the time, 
most of the time in all respective sports, that's a very significant moment for players to be handed that trophy from the leader of their respective sport. So now you've not only taken away meaning of the trophy, you've now, I'm trying to think of the word I'm looking for here. It doesn't matter. Rob Manfred, then to come back and say, I messed up. I know I messed up. No, you only know you messed up because you're not only getting backlash from your own players. Well, not even that. You're getting backlash from some of the best players in your own sport who usually don't speak out, one. But now you're getting backlash from the best basketball player in the world, other athletes in other sports. He looks so stupid. And... He is going to try to do what he can to save his butt, but Mitch Farnsworth and Frank Lippold, it's too late. Mm-hmm. It is too late for Rob Manfred to save himself right now. He had the chance. The, the best part to me in this whole scandal is when Rob Manfred said the players' union said they wanted the players to get immunity. And then what came out that night? The players' union said they gave Rob Manfred a list of options. Unbelievable. They didn't say... They didn't say Oh, you have to give him immunity. So now he's caught in a lie. He messed up and he knows it by calling the commissioner's trophy a piece of metal. And he has ruffled everyone's feathers. And personally, I love it, but I hate it. Because right now baseball is in some turmoil that it has never been. And right now we're talking about one of the biggest cheating scandals in the history of all sport. And And Frank makes a great point. When you talk about first take, a a sports talk show that primarily puts baseball to the side, when they are talking about this, that's when you know it's big. When Stephen A. Smith, as we heard before this when Frank was playing audio for us, says, get that camera back on me, I'm talking. So he can sound sound off in the Astros. This is now making it around to every big market and sport fandom, whether it's hockey, football, basketball, baseball, lacrosse, ultimate frisbee, spike ball, I don't care. I am in on Rob Manfred getting fired. And I'm just going to stop because I don't want to take everything away from you. I want. I want. I know Frank's very. <coughs> Frank's just office. pacing. I yeah. think he's pacing in his room right now, ready I, to I go. Because him and I he, talk about this a lot. I am telling you, it could be about five minutes here. No, he's got plenty to say. I'm actually. Uh, it it won't happen, unfortunately. It won't. You're te- right. te- te- technically, I'm technically I'm out because it won't happen. But um, in on the idea of it happening, uh, just because. Uh, Again, Mitch Ball and I go to school together, so most of these times when this news breaks, we're probably next to each other, and I was just at his house when the when the news broke of uh, what they find, the the manager and front office GM being fired. And at first, you're like, uh, at first we were both looking at each other like, man, it's kind of a big idea, uh, kind of a big fine and big um, punishment. But then you start to think about like what really went on, and then more news came out of, uh, it actually was player driven, and it wasn't Alex Cora who the players scapegoated. Uh, so they, they they pretty much even if they if they did give immunity, they lied in in whatever they talked about, uh, because whatever the Washington Post put out uh, after it happened. So that's just bad on Rob Manfred's part not gathering all the information uh, before uh, punishing him. 
and and he says he he feels bad for the sport because he let it get out of hand. But uh, before Mike Fires even came out as the whistleblower, you knew, as Indians fans, we knew Trevor Bauer was always poking fun out of it uh, in a very uh, cynical way. Mike Clevenger always spoke out about it being shady stuff, how they're so advanced, uh, quote-unquote advanced because they were cheating. Um, so we were always in the window of it because our own players were would, would secretly be talking about it. But it was known around baseball that, that this stuff was going on, and he, he let it spiral out of control. Now there's a separate investigation on Boston that's supposedly going to be done. Uh, but the whole thing of him, I think he he's... <laughs> It was pretty hard to be worse than Bud Teelig, but with this whole thing, uh, he's definitely worse. Uh, should at least, I would have been fine with keeping the trophy. Uh, I think taking the trophies are, is kind of like what the NCAA does recently, what took Louisville's uh, trophy away. But the, the players still have their rings, unless you go door-to-door and, and get all the rings back. And seriously, you white... that one up, really? That, yeah. That's the one you had to bring up? Huh? Yeah, I'm sorry, but it was the first thing that popped in my mind, and it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but unless you go door to door and take go Alex Bregman, give me your ring. Jose Atuve, give me your ring and MVP back. They, they you're not going to do that. Um, I would have. I, I was rooting for a postseason ban, and the players maybe all getting suspended 50 games, um, e- even more really. Uh, but I thought a, at least a one year postseason ban um, would have been justified uh, for their actions. Because I mean. All this talks going on. They are a very talented team. They had a lead in this World Series, three games to two, and lost two at home to choke it to the Nationals. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how they play um, with, without this system because we obviously only know about 2017 um, was the cheating. And, and apparently in 2018 and 2019, they, there wasn't cheating, but then the whole buzzer thing came out. Um, nothing official has come out of that. Um, but, you know... The initial question, uh, it won't happen, so technically uh, I, I would have to be out, but I, I damn sure wish it would happen. So, Mitch Farnsworth, I'll let you end it with that. I'm totally with you guys. Um, I, I, I'm, yeah, you guys got nailed it right on the head. I think baseball is it, it's it's a mess right now. We're dealing with this one, you know, now we go looking at the Boston situation, and now we got an inept commissioner that, you know, he's – he, I think he's lost control of the league pretty much. None of the players really are not vocal. You know, even LeBron. LeBron, a guy that doesn't even play the sport, play the sport, is vocal in this. And, you know, it's it's just ridiculous that, you know, the players don't have that much. They don't have the ability to be vocal in any way, obviously. You know, there's a few out there. Not saying anybody like Trevor Bauer, but uh, – um, sorry, I caught a cough there. But uh, it, it's good to see that. It's good to have those people out there that are, you know, can push back and, you know, will say something when they see something wrong. You know, it's just you've got an owner that or a, a commissioner that is just inept that, you know, he thinks he's doing everything right. But in everybody else's eyes, they're like, you're way off base, man. What are you doing? What are you doing? So what are we doing here? What direction are we going in? And is this just going to be, you know, a slap on the wrist and see you later? That's it, it, it's uh, kind of what it feels like. You know, like we said last week, you know, the money that going into this, you know, it, that's nothing. You know, that's nothing to a team that operates a billion dollar corporation like that. There's nothing. There, there's nothing it does. These players, you know, will, you know, forever known as that little asterisk when it says World Series champion next to their name. 
it'll say World Series champion that cheated by banging on trash cans, which they, you know, should be looked at as trash cans because of what they've made this um, league to be in a mockery, pretty much, with these uh, banging trash cans, stealing signs. It's mockery. It's absolute mockery of the game. It's hurting people, you know, in the the front offices it hurts all these players minor league players it hurts themselves it hurts everything it's just the way that the commissioner has held this has been absolutely ridiculous so i'm all in 100 percent. mitch ball had something yeah it, we the one point we haven't even touched on yet about this is the fact that there's more of a threat for punishment for players that retaliate yep exactly oh, exactly I, I would be i if they're not That's true. Talent. That is true. Yeah, with the throwing the baseballs at, you know, everybody's worried about the pitchers from other teams throwing at the Astros' heads or, you know, contact. So I think that's what Mitch Ball is getting to, so I'll let him get yeah. back to it. Yeah, I mean, there. I, I even saw a suggestion that said they there are people in the media. Now, I'm not saying this is true. I'm not saying I agree with it, nor am I saying this is a fact. But there is talk, as you know, all across Twitter between uh, – media accounts that cover baseball that they would be shocked that there's a, a private player pool almost like a bounty system for who can hit the Astros which I mean I'd be entertained by that because they deserve everything that's coming to them no they no no that, that doesn't mean they're going to get hurt Frank you don't know that one to the ribs could always you don't know you can't yeah. you can't intentionally throw at people you know Stephen A. Smith, Smith said something great about this he said I you know, know what you're saying I agree yeah, I, I think it's the best. It's you know, you don't have to do physical actions. It's the mental. You know, you. I really like what he, um, Stephen A. said. He said, you know, turn your back to them because you know you've made a sham out of the game. I really liked what he said in all categories. Don't don't go physically at them. You know that mentality. The mind is is what controls the body. And in their mind, you know, turning your back. That's that's more symbolism than anything you can do by hurting them. So you're only hurting yourself if you're by hurting them. So, you know, do something that is not violent, that won't get you hurt. Just turn your backs. I really like that. Just turn your backs because that, that's just an amazing, you know, way of showing, you know, like you stabbed all these players in the back. You know, you just like I made a disgrace of the game. Um, so Mitch Ball, I'm sorry to cut off. I just had to say that Stephen A. Thing. No, so you're, I, would, I would have brought it up had you not. He is 100% right. That's what I do. I'm not saying – I'm calling for the players to throw at them. It's Absolutely. going to happen. Yes. You know it's going to happen. You know players are going to throw at the Astros. They're not going to care. And if you're a starting pitcher, the MLB's going to have to get it right if they're going to suspend you because if they suspend a starting pitcher five games, that's only one start if people don't understand how suspensions work in baseball. Now, a five-game suspension for an everyday player, that's monumental. A five-game suspension for a pitcher – not so big. He misses a start here, there, whatever. Life goes on. So I'm curious to see when it does happen because whether you like it or not, there's going to be retaliation. That's a given. And if, if the MLB is going to get smart and suspend a pitcher, you know, all right, you're suspended 21 days. That's three starts. Or It'll be interesting to see how Manfred apparently has this set up already. Like he said, the memos have been sent out to teams. And not just because of the scandal, but more because of that's just not how baseball should be played as a whole, as you've seen in years past. If a guy hits my guy, I'm going to go back and hit your guy. I mean, that's just how it's been played. So it'll be really interesting to see if the 
league offices and commissioner and everybody else has really got a grasp on things to see what's going to happen. But Mitch Farnsworth, you brought up what Stephen A. Smith said. I couldn't agree more. Before that first pitch, all the players turned their back to the Astros, and I think that would be the best form of a nonviolent protest against them, and I think that would hurt. I mean, you're, sure. talking about, you're talking about guys that then would have to go to All-Star Weekend because it, look, the Astros are a good baseball team. We're not saying yes, yeah, Absolutely. They, they, They've they, got the they, talent to do that stuff. They do. But they, don't, they don't have to cheat. You've got quality players, but, you know, they you know took it in their own hands and they didn't think they were and they started stealing signs. So now we are where we are at now. And it, they're never going to live it down. And that's the best part about it. They're going to be called cheaters for the rest of their career. The rest that of little asterisk. That little asterisk, always. The Houston, the Houston asterisk. Exactly. Frank, That's anything else? I uh, wanted you to jump in. Yeah, you know, obviously I'm, the big baseball guy, so I'll, I'll let you jump in here. No, yeah, uh, I'm just I'm perfectly fine. You guys touched on it really well, so I'm good over here. All good? All right. Before we wrap up, because that was our last topic, I want to shout out my two co-hosts. Yeah. They've been doing an amazing job with Notre Dame College, doing the men's and girls' ba- women's basketball games coming down to the last games of the season. Two they, more. Last night, I got to listen and watch some of their game. Last night, they are two of the best I've heard. Um, you can listen to them. It's the MECTV, correct? The Mountain uh, East? Yes. Mountain or East Notre, TV. Or the Notre Dame College Athletics website, and then you can go ahead and pick the basketball for men's or women's, and there will be a link to watch and listen to the game. Exactly. These two, you guys have to listen. These two Only do two an left. amazing job. Uh, it's it's amazing. Um, their next game, I believe, is next Wednesday. You guys do. Yeah, next Wednesday yeah, is your last two. The home game. So next Wednesday, West Liberty, Notre Dame College. Correct. Last. Oh, okay. All right. So West. Yeah, because the women start before the men's. The twenty six, five thirty, and seven thirty. Women first. Yes, sir. All right. So guys, make sure to listen to them. You know, it, it's an amazing whole production they do. So that should be the last little thing that we're talking about. It was a great week. I think we got a huge – this was a huge show. We only had like four topics, and we almost got an hour and a half show in. So this was probably one of my favorite shows talking about, um, you know, every different sport and talking about that. So let us – you guys be vocal with us. Let us know, you know, what we want to do and, you know, what do you want – Want us to talk about? We have our Twitter, FNM Eminem Podcast. Our bios are in there. If you want to direct messages or anything, so just let us know what you want to talk about. And so that should do it for the FNM Eminem Podcast. We'll see you when we see you.